I'm Steve. Welcome back to the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast, the finest phototainment in the world. We are an irreverent look at photography. This podcast, like aspirin, will help you recover from your wedding hangover. This week, we have Casey Fatchett here to help aid you with your recovery. Casey is a photographer from, from New York, the New York area, right? Correct. That's correct. Ooh, New York City, yeah. New Jersey area. And Casey also runs an excellent website and podcast called The Nerdy Photographer, which all of you should check out. But we'll give links and stuff about that later. Casey, uh, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Thanks, Stephen. I'm I'm uh, I'm jazzed to be on the show. Um, I'm excited. I've got some scotch. I've got some beer. I am prepped and ready to have a little fun. Scotch and beer. That's what I love to hear. Just <laughs> ready to go. Yeah, you know, I figured I got to, you know. Chin chin clink. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I Casey. mean it's. Uh, I feel like when you do the intro, I, like it takes me back to my midwestern roots. Yeah. To Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Just That's like, the I, vibe I'm going for. Laugh through, yeah. <laughs> there's there's a monster truck rally happening this weekend. Oh yeah. Be there. I got uh, my start doing video production, and I actually had to cut together those uh, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday monster truck rally <laughs> commercials uh, when I first got started working at like a small cable uh, television ad place. And uh, yeah, that was great. We had like a little audio recording booth that was literally inside my office, and I would send our voiceover <laughs> guy in there, and he'd be in like this tiny little booth just like, Saturday, 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 and I'm like right outside, and it's just like still really loud, even though the booth's supposed to be soundproof, and you're just like, oh gosh, I'm going to have to edit this later. <laughs> doing that voice, man. I used to do that voice. I used to do a lot of voiceovers. Uh, mm -hmm. for uh commercials and things but you have a great voice that makes sense uh as do you as do you <laughs> um but i mean my, i started out uh as an actor so mm -hmm. like, like, yeah, that's why i moved to new york from the midwest was to do acting and uh yeah i did a lot of voiceovers and that voice like that just to, being able to have that like announcer voice hey everybody what's going on uh, was like came in like like not a lot of people can do that well they can't do it mm -hmm. well so that, that that comes in handy for a while i worked at a I worked at a company where i was like doing video and audio production for them but like their main thing was installing uh av systems at national parks so like when you go to a national mm -hmm. park all the tvs yeah. stereos computer interface like things that you see there they would do and part of my job for them was to write um audio commentary for uh people who were visually impaired so they could also experience wow. the videos and stuff and we would bring in at this job a magician from fort wayne indiana to do all the voiceover <laughs> and he just had like the perfect voice just like you mm -hmm. know just like that but it was the, the voice. worst voice ever for audio commentary but he was like a friend of my yeah. boss so we just kept bringing him back and it just every time just cracked me up because it's like you just feel like he's about to do magic he is moment. about to do magic it's 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 uh yeah he is about to do magic wow like that just makes me think of like uh, i've known some magicians and just like thinking like, like yeah like when you're doing audio commentary at a museum or a national park or something like that you don't want the guy who's like doing the prestige in front of you at the, <laughs> yes you know. yeah he did like voiceover work for other people too and he could do uh 
his like magician's act was more of a comedy routine. So he like throws okay. stuff in just like imitating other like things. So every once in a while we'd be recording and he'd just start like doing quagmire from family guy, like giggity, giggity, mm. like stuff. And he like just perfect, like quagmire voice, just like sounded exactly like I was watching the giggity, TV show. Giggity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a, uh... Uh, impressions uh, are another one of my things so uh, yeah we'll get yeah. into that later i guess that's, uh, that's, oh, that's, man, part that's of, awesome that's part of my podcast yeah yeah <laughs> it's uh I, mean, I just got done recording another podcast with a uh, commentary on the movie highlander and mm-hmm. it was just me doing the voices from the movie highlander pretty much like as they're like i was like are you guys getting bored of me like just doing all the sean connery stuff and just be like you have the brains of a goat and just smell <laughs> like a donkey <sighs> That is fantastic. Like, you, you guys, That's really good. And they're, <laughs> and they're like, uh, no, we'd love it when people come on and do voices. Um, so, yeah, I was just sort of in my element doing that. Like, yeah, impressions are uh, – that's uh, something I've done since I was a kid. Uh, oh, that's awesome. It's been a long road, Stephen. It's, uh, <laughs> it's been – if when people I was growing up, I want to get more ahead. of that Sean Connery accent, uh, where what was the podcast you were on? Uh, it's called Four Nerds by Nerds. Um, mm-hmm. It's the Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Uh, just search for it wherever you get podcasts and look for the Highlander episode. I also did an episode with them doing commentary on the movie Galaxy Quest. Um, so, yeah, those are two episodes there I've been on. Probably be on more later. So, yeah, go check it out. Oh, it's that fun. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, but like doing impressions has always been something like uh, mimicking people is always something that uh, I was always very good at and enjoyed doing. Um, because I wanted to be a stand-up comedian when I was a kid. I wanted to be Johnny Carson. I wanted to host the Tonight Show. Um, Yeah, it's uh, and then you know it's awesome until you get like it becomes a business. It's sort of like something we'll talk about probably with as far as photography. Like when you get into the business side of it, Mm -hmm. it gets uh, you know sort of drains you a little bit. Like you know the um, I got out of acting because I was up for two really big parts and. Both of the reasons I didn't get one was the movie Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this film. You were going to play Tom Cruise's role in Vanilla Sky? <laughs> no, I was going to play the guy in the blue suit who like shows up throughout the movie. Yeah. Okay. And then explains everything at the end. Like yeah. does the whole reveal at the end as far as what's going on. Uh, I went in and read for that part eight times, which is a lot. That's a mm-hmm. lot of times at that point. You're like, where's Cameron Crowe? You know, why am I testing with Tom Cruise? When's he going to be in here? Um, and I've met Tom Cruise on another occasion. I met Tom Cruise. Um, but then they looked at me and they were like, we love you, Casey. We love the way you read this. Uh, we love, you know, your take on the character. You're just too tall. Too tall? Because every scene I would be in would be with Tom Cruise. And I'm six feet tall. And he's five five. <laughs> And he demands in his writer that he be as tall, look look as tall as the person in the frame with him. Um, so if you go and watch any movie with Tom Cruise, like look at like he looks like he's as tall as anybody else. And, and they go through a lot of camera tricks to to make that happen. Um, but I was like, my height is on my resume. <laughs> you knew this before you brought me in. You knew this every time I came. I didn't get shorter as I came in. Like I wasn't getting like an inch shorter every time I came into this room uh, to read this part. But uh, the other one was the honey, uh, not honey nut cheerios. I was up for that as well. But then the the Geico gecko, mm-hmm. they switched the Geico gecko out to a different 
person when it first started out, it was this very English sounding guy. And then there was a, they, his contract was up and they kept saying, we want somebody to sound exactly like him. And like I said, I'm a good mimic. I went in and did it. Like, and that was like, do you want me to try something else? And they were like, no, that was perfect. Same thing brought in like several times. And then finally it's like me and two other guys, and the other guys going, I don't know why they keep bringing me in. All I do is the same voice. Every time I come in, the guy's looking at us and goes, I don't know why they keep bringing me in. I can't do an English accent. And that's the guy who got the part because they're like, he just blew us away with something totally different. Um, and there's like actually an episode or not an episode, a commercial with the gecko that actually has that guy is it, it's the one where the gecko is walking down like a boardroom table and like, I know exactly. The, yeah. And the guy goes, if I was little and green and spoke with an English accent, everybody would love me too. Pip, pip, cheerio. And it's like, he's got this horrible English accent. That's actually the guy who does the voice of the gecko. Um, <laughs> and this woman goes, looks at the gecko and goes, you're English. I thought you were Australian because the accent doesn't make sense. It's not either. It's really muddy. And that's when the gecko goes, yeah, funny story. Um, because it's like he couldn't do one or the other. It was like something that was very muddy. But like that's, you know, that's what got the gig. That's what got <laughs> the job. So, yeah, at that point, I was just like, this is way too subjective for me. I can't deal with it. So then you started doing more photography because that's not subjective. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I went from one really subjective job to another. And it's funny that you asked that, Stephen, uh, because people say to me, so you thought that photography would be easier? Well, it's sort of on my own terms, I think, mm -hmm. is is what the... In, I agree. I laugh at it, too. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I was just talking to somebody the other day about how I went to a very prestigious business school in the Midwest, which I will not mention because I hate their politics. But my mom was always like, you know, why didn't you go take any business classes? And I'm like, eh, when am I ever going to need business classes? And you need them whatever job that you do. If you're an actor or you're you know, mm -hmm. a photographer, you need to sell yourself in certain ways. Uh, but I'd never looked at it that way, which was you know, maybe why you know, it could have been easier if I had thought about, hey, this is you know, whether you're you know, acting or being a photographer, you are running a business of yourself. Um, you're marketing. You're doing all these things. You wear a lot of hats. Um, but I was ready for that because I, as an actor, like, I was used to selling myself. But I didn't really think of it that way. And I didn't really think of how I, you know, th there were a lot of marketing skills that I learned being an actor, just like networking and all those sorts of things that I, that I knew. But then I mm -hmm. just sort of like translated it immediately into photography. I got started as a photographer taking headshots for other actors. Um, okay, yeah. Because I was into photography before that. But like, you know, like I got to New York and like everybody needs a headshot and they need a headshot updated fairly regularly and you know i was shooting film back then i'm a dinosaur the t-rex <laughs> is like coming out of uh, jurassic park right now um but you know people needed a a uh, you know headshot so i was shooting headshots and i was shooting like band promote promo photos and then i was like shooting live band uh shows which was like i talk about trial by fire shooting film a band performing live, like the lighting changes like like instantly and you're just sort of freaking out like, oh my God, what's me like uh, he, like you learn the exposure triangle super fast because mm -hmm. uh, I would take two film camera bodies with me and because you couldn't change film speeds and like I'd had one film speed in a in one camera and another in the other and I'd just sort of adjust like really quickly like make my manual adjustments like really fast. Um, 
so yeah, then like my friends from college started getting married and I was doing like I would go to their weddings and take some pictures and people would be like, this is better than the guy we hired. So then I was like, <laughs> hmm, yeah, this is this sounds like a good idea. You know, I could make a lot of money doing this sort of stuff. And it's only on the weekends. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was young and stupid and thought that I would only be like really working on the weekends doing weddings. Um, had no idea what I was getting into, went out and did my first wedding and I totally fell in love with it. Just like the emotional aspects of it, just Mm -hmm. the joy and the fun of it. I mean, there's, you know, been doing this for 20 years. There's, it's not always joy and fun, but I mean, there's a lot of it out there. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I just sort of fell in love with it. And that's when I like, you know, when I decided I was going to get out of acting, I had been doing weddings for a few years, but I really hadn't been like, sort of like, I'm full on doing weddings and I'm going to just, this is going to be my job. So when I decided like acting was done, you know, or taking a back seat, I still did voiceovers for a while after that. I just was like, all right, let's plow like weddings is going to be where it's at because it was a the thing that I enjoyed doing the most. And B, it was also the thing that, you know, made the most money um, because actors are terrible. Um, <laughs> they flake all the time on uh, headshot shoots and they're like, oh, I'm, I was supposed to pay you. I'm sorry. I forgot. Um, so, yeah, weddings were where it was at for me that switch and are you just doing primarily weddings now still or you branching out into any other areas of photography i do like right now most of my business is weddings i'm right now looking at like i've done commercial work i do corporate events i do corporate headshots um and i i'm right now like getting in because the pandemic has forced us all to sort of take a step back and reevaluate things and um what's the term revenue streams revenue streams that's a mm-hmm. that's i think that's a, a, a important thing to think about and like you know finding other things i've been doing a lot of like local business branding photos and uh in my community where i live in new jersey now um and uh corporate stuff and also I did a big project for the VA last year, which has, you know, really helped me because, you know, weddings were sort of done out here. Um, I did a big project for them, like helping out vets and like, you know, this whole mm-hmm. project to like help vets live a better life. And I was like, yeah, that's a good, a good cause. And also they paid well. So that was good. Yeah. I love weddings. I, I mean, weddings are like sort of like the thing that I enjoy doing the most, but yeah, I do other stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, it's really cool that you're able to differentiate over this, like, last year, especially with, like, the VA work and everything like that. Has that been a difficult transition to do more of that kind of stuff? Or has it been kind of like just a new area in the same, like, expertise? I don't know, because, I mean, like, how to, like, how to explain it in a, in a way that, like, uh, the, the listeners will understand like i got into photography as a generalist sort of photographer like i didn't have a lot of formal training i had taken like Mm -hmm. one class in college uh 35 millimeter film and like you know that was pretty basic it wasn't like people were you know i took a i was a journalism and act like theater major uh were my two majors with minors in physics and spanish and uh math it's very bizarre um (laughs) <laughs> that uh yeah I, I when i got into photography in new york i was doing so many different things because like while i said i was doing headshots and bands 
like I still continue to do that stuff. Even when I got into weddings, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to turn things down. It was yeah. just that I wasn't marketing myself so much as that photographer. So I would do like corporate headshots. I would do fashion work when it came up or, you know, like product stuff when people were like, can you do this? And I'm like, are you going to pay me? Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, I can do that. And I would just teach myself <laughs> like how to do that type of photography. Like, you know, it was just like, I had, like, I learned photography from trial and error and from reading books about whatever that type of photography was like, you know, like product stuff, still lifes. I would just like go and get a book and then like, okay, we're going to do this. All right. This is what lighting equipment I need. This is what I need to have. I talked to other photographers I knew who did that specifically and just like learn. I, I mean, I think that that is, I mean, maybe I'm old man. He yells at cloud, but I feel like there's not a lot of that anymore uh, that people just want somebody to tell them what the settings they should use. Um, and I'm not that kind of guy. I just, uh, yeah. Gosh, that, that triggers me so much because every time I get on Facebook, there's somebody who's like, what setting oh, should yeah. I use for a wedding? And it's like, it, it, you uh-huh. change the settings all throughout the day. Like if you're oh, yeah. asking what settings I should use, maybe just put it in like <laughs> auto. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, I'll see somebody like, one of my favorites was somebody's like, I've got a wedding in a church. What setting should I use? And I was just like, there's so much going on here that I can't, I can't even begin. I can't even begin to tell you what you might, I was just like, put it on aperture priority mode. I don't know, like what to tell you. Like that's, I don't know. Do they allow flash in the church? Do you know, like uh, what equipment do you have? Like (laughs) there's a lot of variables here. Like I was a math guy. Like I cannot solve this problem. I don't have any constants you know, going on that I can solve <laughs> off of. Um, yeah. So like that, that is something that bugs me. And it's just because I was always under the impression that, you know, you have to figure it out. Like, it's like, that's just like situations are always changing. And that was, I think something again, like the, uh, the live show, like with bands, like, cause lighting, the lighting would always be changing like every 20 seconds, if not faster, like you, you just had to adjust. You had to figure it out. Nobody's going to tell you. And, you know, like, uh, you know, I shoot a combination of manual, like most of the time, and then I'll shoot aperture priority. If people are going to be like moving a lot mm-hmm. outside, because like the light might change. Like if I can't have like a, any sort of control over the light, like I might shoot aperture priority because I, you know, I know kind of where I want to be, but like, a cloud could come over and yeah. I, you know, and it suddenly gets very dark or something happens. Like I, you know, I'm, I use that. Like, so yeah, I, I don't, uh, I, I think there's a lot of uh, just telling me how to do it going on. And I'm, you know, I'm always like, yeah, but that might not work depending on your scenario. I, feel I want like people if to you, have the, yeah. If you come to it and your mindset is I want to run a business, not I want to run a photography business or I want to be a photographer, it would be a lot easier to fall into the tell me the settings I need to use as opposed to maybe I'm going to figure this out on my own or experiment. But that might be short shifting people who are more business minded because a lot of them want to figure stuff out too. Yeah, I think that that's sort of, I think like, you know, again, I might be dating myself and not in a romantic way, but in a chronological <laughs> way. Um, but it's sort of this, like, it's a cultural shift in general or generational shift, I guess, 
that I see mm-hmm. a lot more lately where people are just sort of like, oh, I really want to take a picture like that. What gear did you use? What settings did you use? Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, okay, like, you know, yeah, gear kind of matters, but what is it about the photo that you really like? And this is part of the reason that I started the Nerdy Photographer mm-hmm. was because I saw sort of a lack in the industry of people talking about like the basics of technical photography. Like I am not the world's best technical photographer, but I'm a photography nerd. And that, I mean, that's kind of where this came from, where the, where like nerdy photographer came from was out of this sort of seeing like a vacuum of people, like really talking about like, okay, you know, what does the exposure triangle actually mean? And why is it important for you to really understand it? And, you know, what are each of these things? Because, like, people would just be like, oh, I just want, I want to get the, you know, the widest aperture lens I can get because I want that bokeh. Um, <laughs> Got to get those bokeh photos. Um, and, you know, like, crank it to, you know, ISO 24,000 because I don't want to learn how to use a flash or I'm afraid of learning how to use a flash. And there should not be fear. Like, I didn't know anything about Flash when I started out. Um, And I, of course, sucked at times. Like, my my Flash work was not always the best. But, like, you know, like, there's a certain amount of just trial and error. Like, if if you're willing to put in some time and, like, if this is going to be your craft, it's going to be your business, take some time and practice and (laughs) figure out how to do this shit. Like, it's, uh, you know, like, come on, like... It's not like I, you know, walk into a business office and be like, you know what, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be the head marketing officer of this company, but I ain't going to sit down and learn anything about marketing. Just tell me uh, how this stuff works. Uh, Just uh, give me, uh, give me, you know, the settings that I need to, uh, you know, make this Fortune 500 company marketing uh, work. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit down and learn nothing. Um, Do they give jobs to people like that? No. How do I get one I've of those? I've tried. I've tried. Uh, trust me, I've been on LinkedIn. People wonder what LinkedIn is on for anymore. It's it's for me, just sending out resumes for jobs I'm totally unqualified for. Um, and I'm like, hey, I can learn this. I'm a quick learner. I uh, you know I can pick stuff up pretty fast. Um, what's this job you know, requirements? Five years experience? Nah, I don't need that. I don't need that. Five years. I need uh, I need uh, two hours. You tell me how to uh, log into the computers. I got that. <laughs> just uh point me to the google search and i'll, I'll be good don't worry about it oh <laughs> that, that's the line that i actually use a lot i don't know if you've ever seen the movie confessions of a shopaholic no i've not isla fisher um isla fisher and hugh dancy on hannibal and a mm-hmm. bunch of other things but anyway like uh her character doesn't have, is totally unqualified for what she's doing and the job that she's gotten, which she's using to pay off a huge, enormous amount of credit card debt. And he, her boss literally asks her to do something and she types it into Google. <laughs> and he looks at her and he goes, did you just Google how to do what I told you? And she's like, yes, I Googled. And I'm like, yeah, I use that for my wife all the time. She's like, did you just... <laughs> Do the thing that I am like, yeah, yeah, I Googled the thing, I, <laughs> the thing you told me not to do. Yeah, I did that. I did that. Um, but yeah, I, I will often like send out like just for fun, like LinkedIn, like submissions for jobs that I'm totally unqualified for. 
I gotta stay, you know, you know, gotta stay in the loop. You gotta like, let people know I'm available. I'm out there. Uh, you know, keep my name in their in the <laughs> forefront of their minds. If you don't get enough rejections, you don't stay at the top of people's minds. That's how it works. <laughs> exactly. And you know, a lot of, uh, you know, if you don't hear the word no enough, you know, you're not trying. <laughs> and this is actually for, this is a helpful bit of advice for, <laughs> if you're sifting for the gold in this conversation, this is actually one of the hidden gems. Uh, you should be looking for uh, potential clients to say no to you in meetings. Um more often than you probably are because when somebody says no to you they're actually being honest um and too often your potential clients are going to yes you to death mm-hmm. um so look for things where they'll say no make them say no to you because then they're at least thinking so that's my tidbit of the day cheers i'm having another drink it's better to get a little bit of pushback and have uh, somebody say like actually i don't like this one thing you said and then still end up booking you because like exactly. that's showing they were paying attention they're cognizant the worst is when you get somebody who's like yes 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 after the meeting they just ghost you and it's just like never hear from them yeah because you don't get any valuable feedback from that about like what you did right or wrong in the meeting or what clicked with them or didn't exactly exactly okay so uh, i'm gonna keep it quick um (laughs) first thing i always say to people because i'm a very like you know candid type of guy as far as weddings go so the first thing I ask people after I say, well, I'll say, what about my work did you like that made you contact me? And then the second thing I'll say after that, if they tell me, because once they tell me that, I kind of go like, oh, now I know what they're into. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what about me they like? And so I can riff off of that for this meeting and like focus on those things. And the second thing I'll say, like, so do you want a lot of pose portraits? Because mm-hmm. I don't do like like I do a lot of I'm, my specialty is like more candid moments and things like that. Like I'll do, you know, pose photos, but um, most of my clients don't like do a lot of those. So it immediately mm-hmm. sets them in a spot like no, like they're like no, I don't want to do a lot. And I'm like yes, great, fantastic. That is not <laughs> you know what I'd like to focus on either. But then the thing is, before I end the meeting, and uh, is always like because usually we end meetings with like pricing photographers is kind of dumb it's kind of the worst place to end a meeting but like you've talked to them and then he's like here are my prices and then sort of sort of like hey oh yes great and then they leave and you never hear from them again um but i always try to end with is so do you want to move forward right now Mm -hmm. and if you know they say yes great booked done in the books uh and if they say no then you get the opportunity to ask them why not Mm mm-hmm so once they ask you why not, then you again, they're giving you the pearls here, like you know, as as uh, Foghorn Leghorn used to say, "I'm giving you pearls, son. I'm giving you pearls." Like <laughs> they're giving you the information that you need to book that job. So I mean, I'm sorry, I'm getting way too like business oriented for this podcast. This is not like <laughs> we're. No, I love it. I mean, uh, Foghorn Leghorn was my dad's favorite from Looney Tunes. So you know, hearing, hearing somebody Marvin else appreciate my... him was uh, great. <laughs> Marvin the Martian. Yeah, he was my favorite. His personal, personal. I heard he's not going to be in the new uh, Space Jam, right? <sighs> Makes no sense. How do you have Space Jam without the one space character that you had <laughs> in Looney Tunes? Like, come on, for God's sake! I mean, the first one made sense. He was Barbara the referee. The yeah, uh, I mean, because he's he's an, he's an alien, you know. Like, come on. My other favorite was uh, what was his name? 
he was basically the monster, the big hair monster. Do you remember the big hair monster from? The yes. Mm. <laughs> like, monsters are the most interesting peoples. <laughs> um, that and the Dracula, the vampire. He's like, abracadabra, I'm a bat. <laughs> um, abracadabra, I'm an umpire. <laughs> um, yeah, so, segue. Sorry. Yeah. No, uh, a few times I've seen you taking a drink. Uh, what are you drinking, scotch wise? This is Balvenie 12. Oh, wow. Balvenie 12 scotch. Is, uh, um, I learned a while ago that uh, I love scotch. Scotch, scotch, scotchy scotch in my belly. Um, but I am I have Scottish heritage and. Um, I don't like cheap scotch, um, so which is it's, I don't drink a lot. But it's sort of like if I'm going to drink something, it's got to be something of quality. Like uh, you know, I'm not a twelve pack of Miller Lite kind of guy. I'm you know two or three good beers and a nice glass of scotch. Um, which I feel like if you that's what you go with, like then you end up you know spending the same amount of money or close to actually if you really think about it. Yeah. Quality over quantity. It's the same as my photography, uh, you know, <laughs> motto, if you will. Um, and the beer is, for those of you who are watching on video on YouTube, is uh, Bellhaven Wee Heavy, which Ooh, is nice. a, a Scottish, it's called a rich Scottish ale. I discovered this beer in New York City uh, about 20 years ago friend of mine was working at a place called the ginger man bar which had 70 different beers on tap at that point in the you know in the early 2000s which is a lot of beers at that point because yeah. now you seem to have like a you know it's become a more of a prevalent thing in recent years but she was the bartender she's a friend of mine from college she said you know like you're gonna like this beer and i was like why and she's like it's like guinness but not bitter and i was like all right, I like Guinness anyway, but I'll try it. And it, she was exactly right. It's called a rich Scottish ale, but I like refer to it's almost it's like teetering on stout territory, mm-hmm. um, which is why they call it a wee heavy. It's actually a it's a, actually a genre. I don't know what they call it, oeuvre of beers. Uh, in Scotland, I was drinking a Einstock wee heavy like two days ago. Yeah. I I love wee heavies. They're real good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like almost a stout, but not quite. And it's just like mm, this stuff is tasty. If you can get it, mm, mm. Mm, mm, and they mm. usually have like a like pretty like full taste with like uh, some some notes of like being higher in alcohol by volume. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I have traveled to Scotland, and um, when I was there, uh, there's another there there are several Scottish beers that I really really enjoy. Uh, McEwen's is another one, and we went into a. A uh, pub called the Drunken Barrister, in uh, which is like the drunk lawyer, uh, mm-hmm. which is right next to the courthouse uh, in Edinburgh, and it's down in a little what's called a close, which is one of those like really tight little walkways like between buildings, um, and you get down to this little plaza sort of thing, and like, there's this bar, and I walked in and they had McEwen's on draft, and they had McEwen's seventy and McEwen's eighty. Uh, you'll notice that the this Bellhaven, if for those who are watching on video, says Bellhaven ninety. 
Um, so I was like, oh, what's the difference between 70 and 80? And he, the guy goes, well, it's actually, you know, the price per like in shillings per barrel. And I was like, okay, so what determines the price per shilling, price in shillings per barrel? And he goes, alcohol content. And I was like, I'll take the 80. Um, yeah, I'll have the, the higher alcohol content one. Sounds good to me. So yeah, that's how, if you go to Scotland, uh, you'll find that they have uh, their own, uh, the, the numbers mean how much alcohol is in there. The numbers are good, it sounds like. Yeah, high, higher high numbers. numbers are good. As a, I have a friend who's a Belgian beer distributor. Oh, uh, nice. Belgian, and like, there was the, <laughs> there was a, uh, uh, a bachelor weekend was three friends of ours. Like, and he was one of them. We're all getting married in the same summer. So they had like, we're not going to like make everybody go to a different bachelor party or whatever. Since it was the same circle of friends and the, they were like, we're gonna have a bachelor weekend for the three of us. Um, so he brought like cases and cases and cases of Belgian beer. And people were like waking up at like 10 a.m. and drinking Belgian beer. I was like, hey, you guys need to pace yourselves. What? This is a bad, <laughs> bad idea. <laughs> and people would just be passed out by two o'clock in the afternoon. I was just like, yeah. Mm. You're drinking like 13 ABV beers. Huh. <laughs> it's cool. We're just, we're going to start with a Chimay Grand Cru. We're going to switch over from there to a Delirium Tremens. <laughs> then we're going to go to a Golden Drock. It's it's going to yeah, be a great day. <laughs> Drock was the company that he worked for at that point. Oh, so awesome. He was, he was the Drock dis- distributor. So yeah, it was like cases of Golden Drock. Oh my gosh. Like, people were that just sounds... like, yeah, this is great. And I'm like, no, no, you guys need some like Miller High Life. To start the day with it, like save that stuff for, you know, the end of like the nighttime, like after dinner drinking. No, always a reason. Yeah, it, I mean, it's great, though. It. If you pass out at two in the afternoon, then when you wake up around <laughs> four in the afternoon, you have a hangover for the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah there's a lot from that weekend. I don't want to remember uh, <laughs> and don't remember, honestly. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's one of those things. The union. Speaking of wedding hangovers, there was no. Thankfully, this was so well in advance of any of their weddings that like nobody had to you know, like worry about doing anything the next day, other than going paintballing, which was you know a bunch of hungover dudes. Paintballing is always great. <laughs> don't aim for the face. That's all I gotta say. Paintball. Don't aim for the face. I've only gone paintballing once, and I got shot in the face. I was wearing yes. a mask and it went up underneath the mask and busted my lip open. And then I had paint oh, yeah. in my mouth. It's terrible. <laughs> it just sounds so painful. Yeah. I, I remember it was like when we went paintballing that week, like, I, I don't know. It's maybe it's my violent Midwestern hair, like, you know, lifestyle heritage growing up guns and things like that. Like, it's just, uh, you know, like it, I've been paintballing, whatever, like that weekend, there was so many like East coast people who had never really like been in, like around guns or you know been hunting like i've been hunting as a kid and like all sorts of things like there was just sort of this like i don't know even though you're trying to hit your friends paintballing there was sort of like this trepidatious mission and like Mm -hmm. i was blasting people but then the one friend of mine just like got like went total terminator which was bizarre like he just was like walking like straight up to people like like 10 feet away from them just like 
popping them. Like I was, people were like, he has lost his mind. He was just, he was really drunk. <laughs> he's just getting shot by hundreds of paintballs just watch he didn't know like seriously he was like it was it was seriously like something out of a movie like uh it was like the scene in tombstone when wyatt earp like at the river when he goes yeah. after curly bill and he's like no and just like something wyatt earp is like walking like walking on water as uh, val kilmer says in that movie like, he's like just like going through like shooting everybody like he was just like walking straight at them and not getting hit by anybody, just like blast everyone. It was crazy. It was really crazy. That's right. I, I love having a conversation with someone where they can uh, reference Tombstone. That's always a delight. <laughs> I'm in my prime. Um, that is one of my favorites. My, my favorite scene uh, that is, I, I like to think of like lesser known scenes from famous movies is mm-hmm. that Billy Bob Thornton is in that movie mm-hmm. um, at the beginning. And he's the pharaoh dealer at, at that Wyatt Earp. Like he's like, go ahead, skin that smoke wagon, see what happens. <laughs> um, and then he's like, gonna come and shoot Wyatt, like with his got the shotgun. And like, and Doc is like, he's like, Johnny Madcap. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's like those people, things that people don't think about. Like, oh yeah, that's right, Billy Bob Thornton was in that movie. That's like, there's a ton of people in that movie. Uh, if you want to talk about like we are so far gone from the, the original like stream of this discussion but like movies <laughs> like but it kind of brings it back because like anybody who wants to talk about movies but this is like totally a thing for me like mm-hmm. i speak fluent movie quote um and my wife likes to say like if you used some of that power that in your brain that holds all of the movie quotes and TV quotes and comic book references and things like that, like, you know, for good, like you could accomplish such great things. Um, I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to push any of that stuff out of my brain. <laughs> I would argue you are using it for good. Um, so I am. I am. to talk a little bit more about the uh, comics, movies, all the references and stuff. One of the things you do on your podcast, the nerdy photographer <laughs> is you do like a, uh, I put, can I call this an adventure, an audio adventure series? And you changed the Google Doc to say I could. So I'm going to roll with yes. that. You do an audio yeah, adventure it's... series that runs alongside the show and sometimes has like full episodes of the show just devoted entirely to it, where you play like a, is it a fictional version of yourself? Or is this just a version? You're actually doing these adventures. You're just telling uh, us about them later. You know, if I, it's classified. <laughs> um, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Um, you know, like I might, I might disappear from the planet for like certain long periods of time. <laughs> you wouldn't know because I like, just work on the weekends because I'm a wedding photographer. Um, yeah, it, it's there's this like I got a review recently. It's sort of like I don't know, kind of as a podcast host, sort of like made me take a step back because it was like it's like this is like these, you know, there's this, you know, whole old time radio drama that he's doing that. You know, it's like Doctor Who meets Indiana Jones. And um, yeah, it just incorporates a lot of different things that I love. And mm-hmm. I got to episode 25 of my podcast. And I was just like, you know what? I called this the nerdy photographer. I just wasn't being nerdy enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, there's like, you know, I was occasionally like doing impressions and, you know, 
references to movies and comics and things like that. And then I was like, you know what? I need to go full nerd. Um, and I leaned into it and I created uh, the crew of the Fibonacci, which is the, the, the sentient spaceship that uh, is uh, that you know, picked me up from Earth. And like we've all, you know, go, we go on adventures. And so now like every every episode of the Nerdy Photographer podcast, well, pretty much every episode today has, has a frame around it, which is this the adventures of the crew. And I throw in references to movies that I love, like the last couple episodes. I don't know when this is going to come out, but like last couple episodes that I've recorded or I've released have references to uh, 2001 and to uh, both because Evil Dead Army of Darkness referenced uh, uh, the Klaatu, Verata, Nikto, in mm-hmm. uh, the Army of Darkness ref- is a reference to the day the Earth stood still because that was what controlled the robot Gort in the day the Earth stood still. But I like took it back and like instead of you like the control words that controlled Fibonacci, the ship were Klaatu, Verata, Noodle, which is one of the things that Bruce Campbell in yeah. Army of Darkness says because he couldn't remember Nikto. <laughs> so it's like yeah, I'm doing both, but then I was also doing like. Fibonacci, the ship is also kind of like Hal from 2001. Um, he's just sort of this emotionless character, but he, in in my version, he's like this super sarcastic version of myself. He's just like, uh, doesn't give, he doesn't care. He's just like so worn out by like the references and everything. And then uh, the other character, I can go through the characters if you want. Um, <laughs> Uh, and what the inspiration behind each of them was because they're all inspired by different photographic references. Mm-hmm. So Fibonacci, of course, is the Fibonacci sequence, sort of like if you in rules of composition, uh, the Fibonacci spiral. Um, and then there's Golden Hour, um, yeah. who is the snug warrior. And all he ever says is a snug, sort of like a fizz gig snarf. Uh, character Snarf from Thundercats, yeah, uh, Fizzgig from uh, Dark Crystal, um, but he's a fierce warrior, um, and he's just he's warm and inviting, just like the Golden Hour, because uh, that's his name, Golden Hour. Uh, then there's uh, Rula Three RDS, who's the you know data robot. Um, she can never be broken. Uh, we actually had a, the adventure episode recently. We found we find out what happens when you break uh, Rula Three RDS. Um, and then, uh, F 2.0 who's sharp, but shallow. Um, and he's my like outlet for doing impressions and things like that. Like he just communicate, he literally communicates in either song lyrics or movie quotes. So it was just like, you know, very shallow. There's not a lot of like thought on it, but it's like really quick with the reference. Um, yeah, so those are that's that's my nerdy photo crew. Um, yeah, I just like uh, that's always been a part of me. Like I, I was when I was a kid, I was uh, very into comics and movies, science fiction, fantasy, and those sorts of things. Dungeons Dragons, role playing games of all sorts. Uh, just enjoyed that stuff a lot. And so mm-hmm. when I created Nerdy Photographer, there was a like a friend who recently said to me like oh i was really expecting nerdy photographer to be more like you know super technical like like when i thought about that like when i heard that name i was like this is gonna be like super technical then i started listening to the episodes and i'm like 
not only do you get into like technical like tips, like but like the nerd part of it is like super nerd stuff. Like this just like out there really nerdy stuff. I'm like, well yeah, because I mean like that's that's who I am. And I feel like uh yeah, I don't know, like I I don't apologize for it anymore. <laughs> I love it. I love the uh the like recent thing you did with like the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh spoof sort yes. of thing. And then, oh gosh, there's one episode that had me like rolling with laughter. It was the one with the uh, Crimson Cutlass. Oh yes, the and Pirates started... of the Ca- Pirates of the Cara BN Nebula. Like, yeah. uh... <laughs> she yeah. started like yeah. naming off all of her nicknames, and the one that just yes. sent me into fits of laughter was she was like uh, the Scarlet Gash. And yes, <laughs> you were like, oh, I don't think I'd say that. I and I was I just, don't think we could say I had that to like almost pull over. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> yeah and 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 it's uh yeah it was it was the workshop because like actually my friend jen Mm -hmm. who is plays rula 3rds and was the crimson cutlass and i like literally sat down like like, what are we going to call this character like we got on a call and we're just like discussing and this is just how we talk Mm -hmm. so like that those that was literally our workshop call (laughs) to like discuss what we were going to call the character we came up with this list of like 50 different names and we got to one like Vermilion Vengeance. I'm like, no, that's the ship. That's, yeah, that's what her ship is going to be called. Like, we'll call it the ship. That, like, yeah, you know, get the Crimson Cutlass. And I was like, oh yeah, that's pretty good because like at the at the end of that episode, we have the pitch meeting because we went back and re-recorded like the the pitch yeah. meeting where they're like workshopping and focus grouping. You know, the names. Um, yeah, that's just and that's literally like just how she and I talk to one another. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I love like when, when you guys are talking, like you can just tell that you guys are having fun and that's, I might be getting older, but like one of my favorite things with anything I watch now is like, I want to know the people creating it are enjoying creating it. Like I don't want to watch something where yeah. people seem like upset to be there or anything. Yeah. And I, I try to do that with like all of my interviews with anybody. I just like, you know, like I, I want to have fun. I want to like, there, there, are, there are a few times where we talked about like serious, like very serious issues. Like there are times when I talked about like racism and, you know, representation in the photography industry mm-hmm. and like grief. Cause I dealt with the loss of my parents last year and just like so getting sorry. into like how that, you know, thank you. It's, it's a, it's a journey, but it's like, you know, like getting into those topics, like occasionally, like it's a very special episode of the nerdy photographer. Um, and I, that's just kind of how I like look at that. Like, there's occasionally you need to talk about the serious stuff, but you know, <laughs> it was another sort of uh, another review that I got recently that was that made me chuckle. It was like I never know what to expect. Like, it could be serious <laughs> discussion about race in the photography industry, or it could be this like crazy science fiction adventure, and it just like keeps me guessing as to what's coming. And I'm like, well, technically there is a pattern to it, but you know, whatever. Like, you can feel, like <laughs> I want you to be on your toes. Like most, like ninety nine percent of the time, it's just entertainment. It is mm-hmm. like, and it's talking about things in the photo industry. Like I talk with people. You know, I, I don't want to sit down and be like, so what's your favorite shot that you took? Like, it's just sort of like, you know, like those sorts of things. I want to talk about things that like, you know, both for professional and like, I've talked to like amateur photographers as well. Like, you know, on a couple of episodes, just like, what is it about this photo that you took that you really love? Like, what is it? Like, find that love for mm-hmm. photography. Find that what is it that you love about this or what makes you laugh about this industry? Like people like we've been in this industry for a very long time. And 
there are a lot of people who take themselves super, super seriously. And it's sort of like, you know, come on, guys. Let's let the hot air out of the room (laughs) a little bit. Like, it's a wonderful thing that we're doing, like capturing these memories for people, especially in the wedding industry. But sort of like, you know, like, uh, there's also like, come on, you know, you're not curing cancer. Like there's, uh, there's a space in here in between, like how seriously you should be taking yourself. Uh, yeah. No, I love it, man. Uh, thank you for talking to me to, to me about all that stuff. Um, do you want to answer some weird questions from Facebook with me? Absolutely. I like I don't know if I can swear on this podcast. You can. I would fucking love to do that. <laughs> uh yeah. Oh, there is a question like there is one thing I wanted to uh to get before we do that. Like you had asked yeah. in in your Google document asking questions like what have oh, I done yes. with the Highland Highland yeah. 3 cell flash? Oh. It's, I'm leaving it as it is. I am not converting it into a lightsaber, at least not now. Um, anyone who watches the animated episodes of the nerdy photographer or so yeah, even the, the episode, the pirates of the Caribbean, where we introduced the spaceship drawings, mm-hmm. spaceships are all based on antique cameras mm-hmm. and photographic equipment. But I kept this Highland three cell flash which is the, you know, the, anybody who knows anything about these, this is what they used for um, the lightsabers in Star Wars, in the original Star Wars. And you can convert them into a lightsaber, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep it as it is. This is actually the basis for the drawings of Fibonacci, uh, the character, and the ship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's answer some fucking questions from Facebook. <laughs> let's do some Q&A. But, but Steve... So Morgan from a random Facebook group uh, asks, they, them, Morgan says, I'm shooting a wedding for a couple where they got engaged during a game of D&D. One of them proposed and the other made them roll persuasion before answering yes. They're sticking with the theme. And when booking me, they made me do a charisma check while pitching them on using me. And they made me roll persuasion before agreeing to hire me. I rolled a nat 20 and they booked my highest package as a result. They are adamant about sticking with this during the wedding day in the portraits and everything. What do I do if I roll a critical failure during their portrait time? Do I stick with it and do a shitty job? This is a difficult question. As a D&D nerd, um, I am... There's the part of me that like thinks that you... like Morgan, this is, that, is, that is the icing on the cake. This is <laughs> keeping them in the mood. This is what keeps them in their mood. This is something they enjoy. Um, just because you roll a critical fail does not mean that you have to critically fail at your job. Can, can separate the two. This is what we like to call in the psychology business compartmentalization. <laughs> or in the acting business, which I was a part of for a very long time, acting. You pretend. It's called playing pretend. You can pretend like, oh, I rolled I rolled a one, a natural one. I'm you know, oh, sad trombone Um, but no Morgan you should continue to do your job to the best of your ability that's my advice 
I mean, I would just, I would go in, you know, all dice, they, they're supposed to be perfectly balanced. None is, though. Every, every die <laughs> has, like, a, you know, it, it lands up on some number more than the rest. Get some weighted die, you know? Just go, go in there with a 20-sided die that's just, like, weighted, so oh, you right. always roll 20s. Doing some, doing some, uh, you know, uh, Ocean's 13 action. You got the magnets in there, and you just, like, yeah. click, click. Like, boom. Yeah, every time, 20. Every time, 20. <laughs> Um, I had a hundred sided die growing up, which is like the, like, yeah. And it's like, it's a ball. It's basically just a ball. Like you, you have to like really wait for it to stop. You can't like roll it too hard. You just have to like, kind of like, hmm, just like release it onto the table a little bit and like, see where it ends up because like, you just like, you roll it hard. It just like goes right off. Um, and never really quite stops. And you're like, everybody sits down with like their magnifying glass and like, which side does it stop on? Which, which is perfectly at the top. Um, because the hundred sides is just way too much. <laughs> yes, but yeah, Morgan, my my advice is yes, either fix the die, like make it make it work for you so that this is fixed, or uh, you know just play pretend and you know do the best do the best of your ability. Yeah, yeah, Morgan, you could always act like you were critically failing the entire time while taking great photos. Yes. So maybe you just trip a bunch during the photo session, uh, pretend We've like you drop your camera. The... Yeah. We have all seen the, the Instagram or Facebook videos of the people who are just like act like all crazy, whatever do be that guy, become that person, but take great photos. That's, that's, that's my, <laughs> yeah. Just do, do a few photos where you're like, I'm going to run and jump past you and take a photo on the way, <laughs> but then the exactly. rest do really good. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Like save it. Like I would even maybe save that for the end. Like you're trying, you're trying like, Oh yeah. And get, get the good photos. And then like, Ooh, I'm, I'm blowing past <laughs> you. And then like throw in a few that are, yes. Throw in a few that are completely out of focus because they'll get it. If you, if you rolled a one, <laughs> All throw right, in um... a few pictures that are like completely blurry. Like it's Boca. It's Boca photo. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Callie from a random Facebook group says, I shoot a lot of weddings where marijuana is a central theme. When it became legal in mm. Michigan, I kind of went hard after the market, and it's been real good for me. In the past, I'm my sure. couples would always ask me if I wanted a hit. I kind of got used to it. Mm. Now, with COVID, that doesn't happen anymore, and I feel like my work is suffering. I don't know if you can hear my daughter crying in the background. I'm really in a critical failure. I'm parenting right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna get it no together. i can't it's uh but, my wife's up there <laughs> so uh callie continues and says i'm thinking about bringing oh wait sorry uh now with covid it doesn't happen anymore and i feel like my work is suffering i'm thinking about bringing my own weed to weddings but wondering if that could get me in trouble in case a client wasn't okay with me smoking would it be okay to bring up at consults or does that reflect poorly on me and then callie updates it to say my work's quality isn't suffering. My photos are still great. I just don't enjoy shooting weddings as much now. <laughs> uh, I've got so much to unwrap here. Like, uh, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot to unwrap when it comes to this. Uh, you know, Callie, I, uh, what I have to say, my what I have to say is twofold. It's not that, like, you may be in a position where you're, in one of those time periods of your life, and especially because of COVID, where you're just feeling a little down. And maybe that's why you're feeling like you're not enjoying shooting weddings as much. 
um, it happens. Like there's there are times when you just like in your life and stress and things like that. again. It's a very special episode of the Nerdy <laughs> Photographer. Um, you just might be feeling down, and that's my way. Maybe why you're not enjoying shooting the weddings as much right now. It might not be that you're not high. That being said, eh, I wouldn't bring my own weed to smoke at a wedding. <laughs> this is something that you feel that you need to have. Um, edibles, I think, would be the way to go. Like I don't Ooh, know, edibles. Yeah, come on. In it's Michigan. I'm from Michigan originally, and you know my yeah. You know, I have I have relatives who actually work in dispensaries, mm-hmm. um, and you know edibles are a thing. It's generally less of a high. It's just sort of more of a buzz. And um, my thought would be like, unless somebody is like absolutely like bringing it up that that they are having weed as a theme. Mm-hmm. For their wedding, I wouldn't bring it up because that could seem unprofessional. That's just <laughs> my immediate thought. But if they are and you want to partake, but during COVID you cannot like share an apparatus for partaking in cannabis, uh, THC, whatever it is, like then I would suggest you know considering the edible route. That's just my professional opinion. Uh, Callie, <laughs> microdose on those edibles. Uh, you don't want to get knocked on your ass. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, sp- spread them out. Spread them out. You don't want to, you don't want to like take too, don't take too much at once. It's not a good idea. I like to think of it as like, if you went into a client meeting and you had to ask them if it was okay for you to bring, I don't know, a flask full of vodka to their wedding, like, how would that reflect on your business? Like, uh, yeah. Well, the funny thing is that they're like, as experienced wedding photographers, most of the time, if you have a flask with you, like on the day and haven't brought it up, the groomsmen are going to be totally happy with you. <laughs> um, because it's just that's, like, I'm not drinking it. It's more about like, like I bring a flask for them mm-hmm. in case they need something. Um, but yeah, like I, if you feel that you need to bring this up at a meeting, like you might need to bring it up at another sort of meeting. Maybe time to bump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, just you take might. A break, you, you, know? you might. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe withdrawals. Maybe that's why you're feeling not so not so good on the weddings right now. Uh, Ari from a random Facebook group says, "I got a TARDIS wrap for my EOS R6. My boss Sweet. said he." doesn't think it's it looks professional and wants me to get a new Mm. professional camera to replace it as soon as possible so i bought another r6 but i really want to get this one wrapped too what kind of wrap could i get that would still be professional but also bring some joy to my life i would consider anything doctor who star trek battlestar galactica babylon 5 stargate or farscape related no star wars please Adamant, oh. no Star Wars. Oh, Adamant, man. no Star Wars. So Ari, you've imme- you've immediately gotten a uh, a negative check from me for like adamantly no Star Wars. If you're so into everything else, but like mm, no Star Wars, <laughs> um, because I feel like you know what you're saying here is like oh I gotta have I gotta have like embrace my nerdism while I'm working and like if you're working for somebody else, I get why they're a little concerned, but like oh, I might look unprofessional, whatever. There, I think, are a lot of options out there. You, Ari, uh, and, and for some reason, I they went to high school with a guy named Ari who was a total nerd. Um, so I'm sort of picturing him in my head. Um, 
Is Ari another you just like Ari name have you to give be yourself? Ar- no. <laughs> Is that what you called yourself in <laughs> high school? Ari was No, Ari was actually the guy who created a Dune. We created a this was before EDM was really a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we created like a around the movie, the David Lynch movie Dune, we created like a dance track. Nice. Like, ins, 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 with like using like clips from the movie Dune. Um, yeah. like, tell me of your homeworld, Usul. Wadib. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Ari, I would say you have to be the arbiter of whether something is professional looking. And I'm sure there are many, many very nerdy raps for your EOS R6 uh, that are out there that don't draw attention to themselves. And I think that this is probably what your boss is saying. Like this really draws attention to itself, whatever your other rap was. And like, look at the other raps like that are whatever your non star Wars related nerd thing has to be just because you can't do a star Wars thing. That's fine. Okay. Uh, But I'm sure there's something out there. Battlestar Galactica or star Trek or Babylon five. Um, or spaced, maybe spaced, who knows? Um, there are things out there, you know, that you can find that just don't think that that you will derive enjoyment from that will not attract attention from your clients or from the, from the people that you're working with. I think that's what your boss is probably talking about. Yeah. When, when he said no star Wars is like, man, Darth Vader or Kylo Ren would have been great. Like black. Exactly. (laughs) Just like it would have been a super professional look. Yeah. Or a death star, like a death star sort of thing. Yeah. Like I think that would have worked, but like as soon as he took that option away from me, I was like, Hmm, what do I can do for you, buddy? You know, as long as he stayed away from like a C3PO, he's probably good. (laughs) Yeah. As long as it's not like bronze, (laughs) not gonna be good. All right, here's the last one. Uh, Sam from a random Facebook group. I buy and sell used camera gear and Star Wars figurines. I use Venmo to do all my transactions. I have a client who buys a lot of figurines and old camera gear, but it's become a headache. Every time he buys a Star Wars figurine, he uses the eggplant and water drop emoji in the... It's, <laughs> that's like the message box or memo, like the reason why you're buying it. Yeah, it's a memo. The memo box. And every time he buys camera gear, he uses a peach and water drop emoji. <laughs> I've had a few friends tell me that it looks like I'm paying for sex whenever they see one of these pop up on Venmo. I can't make my transactions private because then it looks like I'm up to something shady and no one will buy from me anymore. So how can I get this guy to stop using gross emoji? I call bullshit on this. (laughs) For one reason. (laughs) Sam. Um, Yes, you cannot make all of your transactions private. That you can certainly make your transactions with the, this one person <laughs> private. And if this person has a history of doing this, they're fucking with you. First of all, <laughs> they're, they're doing this because they know. They absolutely know that it looks like you're paying for sex when they leave those emojis. So you just turn off that that person. That that person no longer gets public. Uh transaction memo status yeah everybody else and if you're not dealing with enough people apart from this dude i think that this person like there's another issue we got to talk about like if this is the only person that you're talking to and they are putting the you know eggplant and peach emojis they're like it's because they know that they're, you're they're the only people that you're dealing with 
mean, it seems like a very like this is like super up my alley as far as like Star Wars figurines and camera gear. It's like like how much how much crossover does this guy have between the Star Wars figurines and camera equipment? Like they can't be that much. It's like it's one or the other. Is this guy just outbidding everyone else? Like I don't, I'm I don't guessing, know. Like, I'm, I'm guessing it's got to be more, more of the Star Wars figurines transactions, right? Cam- yes, old camera gear is going to be so expensive. Yeah, so expensive. Like, well, Star Wars figurines depends. Like, okay, like we, then we get into the whole like, is it still in the packaging? Is it like you know? Yeah. yeah. Is it laying in the white dress still in the packaging from the first issue? Yeah. That's a you know you're gonna get pricey. That's things are the price is gonna go up from there. But it's uh, yeah. I think this is this. Dear <laughs> Sam, uh, this is a problem you have with one specific person. And if you have no other customers, then you have nothing to worry about. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, dear Sam, please send me your your uh, your gallery of Star Wars Link. figurines and camera gear that yeah, you're exactly. selling. I would love to get in on this. <laughs> Yes, I am really curious about where the Star Wars figurines are and what condition they're in. Because, uh, you know, I might need to add to my collection. Not that I'm the guy who's already sending you the eggplant emojis. Um, Casey, is it you? I'm more of a, no, I'm more of a Funko Pop guy. Um, yeah. Uh, I had this whole thought in my head that I was going to do some Funko Pop photography during mm-hmm. uh, the lockdown. I ordered a bunch. But yeah. I haven't taken any pictures of them yet. <laughs> I've got uh, I've got all the Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters. I was going to do Ooh. a whole like Ghostbusters thing. I got a, I bought a fog machine and everything because I'm into practical effects. I don't do yeah. overlays. Um, <laughs> I, I've got everybody. And like Winston was actually the hardest one to find. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, I, and speaking, going back to our Tombstone reference, I've got a. I've got Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp. No way. Uh, I was, awesome. was going to do, I was going to do some, you know, some, uh, tombstone, uh, Funko photos. I've also got like, uh, characters from Caddyshack. Um, and a lot I did of, not realize uh, Funko. It was so many different things that they had done. Oh my God. Steve. There's so many. There's mm-hmm. like, there's for everything. And then there are some of them that are like super, like coveted and hard to find. Like I'm a big fan of the big Lebowski mm-hmm. and I've been trying to find a big Lebowski Funko. They're a hard to find. And they're also like 150 bucks. Oh yeah. And also Jack Burton uh, from big trouble in little China. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. It's like it's impossible to find one, but they're also like the ones that I do find are like all 120 to 170 bucks. It's like, I'm not going to spend that much money on this. It's ridiculous. This is a fun little thing. Like, but there are people out there and there are a lot of, I, I have, uh, you know, an overlap of nerds on, on my podcast for some reason, um, like other nerdy podcasts. And these guys are like super into collecting this stuff. And like, they have like, showcases of their like funkos and they and these guys were like there's like a hundred of them and i like i've got like maybe 20 uh i'm like i'm not like super into collecting them but they, they're like i gotta get a new one and it's just like they have like different versions of like the same character and i'm like man you're like you're really into this you're like you've gone a step beyond 
I mean, if if they become worth more as you hold on to them, like Star Wars figurines that are still uh, in the box, then I, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea whether there's a there's going to be a market for these in years to come because it's a uh, you know I grew up in the prime of collecting. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was sort of when like in the nineties, but yeah, in the eighties and nineties where they you know people were like, oh yeah, remember how. People from the 40s and 50s and 60s like just threw out their baseball cards. Now they're worth so much money. You got to collect baseball cards, or you got to collect football cards, or you got to collect this thing, or whatever. It's going to be worth money someday. Well, then everybody collected them and didn't throw them away, and now they're not worth anything. Because the whole still point was, right? The whole point was people threw them away, or you played with them and destroyed it. Whatever the toy was, or whatever like they destroyed the original GI Joes with the Kung Fu grip. Um, those things got you know, destroyed because people were using them. Um, and my dad would always talk about Mickey Mantle rookie cards that he had. Mm-hmm. He just had like a box full. Of, you know, oh, you know, how much are those worth now? This is back in the eighties. And I was like, mm, yeah, it's worth like $60,000 dad. And he was like, Oh man, I had like four of those. <laughs> and his mom just threw them in a fire. Like after he had moved out of the house, cause he just had like a box full of baseball cards that he had left at my grandparents' house, and I was just like, oh, I'm not going to tell you how much they're worth now. Like, it's just those sorts of things. Because, but that's why they're worth money. That is why my, they are worth money, because there are yeah. supply and demand. My uh, brother-in-law, he had, like, an uncle who was big into collectibles and would buy them uh, basketball cards every single year. And, like, with the pandemic going on, apparently basketball cards have become very valuable the older ones so one of the basketball cards he bought for my brother-in-law's younger brother was uh michael jordan's rookie card and uh yeah i, f- I don't know who it was from which company it was from but it's worth a thousand five hundred dollars now <laughs> my brother-in-law's yeah, like, I mean, like yeah my little brother's looking all over for that card <laughs> it's crazy because like i had and it's weird to see what things affect like the prices of them because like you not it's not only like you can sit sit on something like i had like Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco rookie cards because mm-hmm. back in the eighties, like, you know, they were the bash brothers, whatever it's like, you know, they, they hit a lot of home runs and they had you know, their cards, their rookie cards were worth a lot of money, but then it's like you, the steroid scandal happened. And like the price of those cards, like, like went way down. So like, there's a, there are a lot of but things that can then affect the lonely Island music video yes. slash whatever came out. <laughs> and now they're worth something again. Is that how it works? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe <laughs> possibly I haven't checked. It's entirely possible that uh, Andy Sandberg has increased the value of my uh, old baseball cards. Like the, the, oh, that'd be uh, fantastic. Yeah. That, that I would have to owe Andy Sandberg a, a, a letter, a thank you letter. <laughs> not sure I'm prepared to write that. <laughs> Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week on the Wedding Photo Hangover podcast. <laughs> Casey, where can people find you online? People can find uh, the Nerdy Photographer podcast wherever they get podcasts. Just type it Nerdy Photographer podcast. Um, they can find me online at nerdyphotographer.com. You can find me on Instagram and the Twitters and Reddit at the Nerdy Photo. No spaces, no dots, no anything, just the nerdy photo. And on Facebook, uh, slash nerdy photographer. Nice. That's it. Awesome. That's where you find me. Cool. Uh, and you can and find me. Like, if you want to look at my work, like, <laughs> like my, 
at you have KCF a great website. photo. Yeah. At KCF photo for the Instagram and the Twitter and Casey Fatchett on Facebook. Um, and fatchet.com for my like wedding stuff. If you're like, if you're actually interested, if you listen this long and you're interested in seeing my wedding work, the fatchet.com is where you can find my uh, wedding work. I've been doing this for 20 years. So like, yeah. You have like a, a stat counter on your website. That's like, I've got 20 plus years of experience, shot over 600 weddings. Uh, well, what, my favorite thing was the, uh, I shoot 90,000 plus photos a year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that maybe need to adjust that for, uh, uh, covid like that that the covid year like things certainly dropped but yeah I, and i need to adjust that like it was like it's probably like 700 weddings over 700 weddings now um uh, yeah it's just uh <laughs> it's sort of like uh, i felt like uh, i have been doing this for a very long time um and when i started out and i was doing like i'll take any wedding i can like uh mm-hmm. and and did a lot of like 50 plus a year weddings and then i said you know it's not good. Not good for life. <laughs> not good for me personally. Um, not good business choice. So then I went down. But still, it's been a lot of weddings. Yeah. Been a lot of photos. One of your I recent a lot episodes, of you guys, uh, you were talking to a photographer from Michigan. And you guys were talking about uh, photographers having heart attacks and stuff like that. And uh, it was yes. a little Rob bit frightening. Hall. Yeah. Yeah, I had a panic attack uh, a few years ago. He was talking about a photographer that he knew who had a heart attack. That would be uh, Rob Hall. He's very uh, kind of yeah, a famous YouTuber, mm-hmm. somewhat in the photography world. He does a lot of like yeah. photo like equipment stuff. Uh, we're actually we're recording this tomorrow. As we got another like part two of that interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's uh, people working themselves to death. Is a really like it's a little you can do it. You can manage to do it. Like it's uh you don't have to try too hard. All you have to do is just say yes to everybody. It's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me and uh I'll let you go now. Thank you for having me on. Enjoy everyone. Wedding Photo Hangover was edited this week by Steve Van Elk.